were about to go to Disneyland for a spring break. That's a family vacation. We're walking out the foyer and I've got my suitcase in my hand. And here's my little boy that he says, oh, dad, you're coming with us. He was so used to me being absent. He was so used to me not being around. When I experienced moments like that, it was like, dude, you better get your shit together. Welcome to the Action Academy Podcast. Stand back while I celebrate freedom. The show where we help you achieve financial independence with the mindsets, methods, and actionable steps from guests who've already earned their freedom. The flags of freedom fly. Choose to do what you want. What you want. With who you want. With who you want. When you want. When you want. With another episode today. Now, here's your host, Brian Lubin. Welcome back to another episode of the Action Academy Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Brian Lubin. And ladies and gentlemen, today is one of those episodes that tugs at the heartstrings from just about each and every angle. This is just one of those all-time episodes that has everything. It has the finance. It has the strategy. It has the wealth building. It has the personal development tips. It has how to reach out to your mentors. There is something in this episode for freaking everybody. And today I have the privilege of being his friend and the honor to host him on my podcast, my buddy, Wally Olivieri. Wally's been in the mortgage loan game in Texas for over 20 years, and in that time frame has built a team out that does over $450 million in mortgage loans each and every year. As you guys could hear in the opening of this episode, Wally had a crossroads in his life and business where he had to completely redo and rethink how he thought about operating his business. This has led to a hyper focus on dollar productive activities and cutting back working hours to now. Wally has designed his business around taking 20 weeks plus of vacation per year. And when he is working, his hourly rate is now $8,000 per hour is what he generates whenever he works on his highest dollar productive activities. $8,000 per hour. If you want me to do the math, that is $320,000 per 40-hour work week and $16.6 million per year. So yeah, he's worth listening to today. We go into how he structured his business to allow for this, the different phases of wealth building that he went through, all the lessons he had to learn along the way, how he reaches out to authors of his favorite books, and he's had a 50% success rate in getting in touch with them, how he was able to take a tour of a billionaire's office for a day, and so many more golden nuggets about how he views family, how he views friendship, how he prioritizes his life. And if you stick around to the very end of the episode, I'm going to ask the mortgage loan officer about his views on the market. Of course I am. I'm going to ask him about the interest rates and all that fun stuff. You guys know it. Stick around for the end of the episode and you will hear it. Two housekeeping items before we get into the show today. Number one is GoBundance, which is our mastermind group that most of the guests on this show are a member of. You have to be accredited, a million dollar net worth at minimum to join the group. If you are accredited, Wally is one of the OGs of GoBundance, and he frequently is talking about finance and wealth building, and he has even laid bare every single revenue stream that he has in his business for the entire group at large. If you're interested in joining GoBundance, go in the link below. Check out the website, and you can book a call with me directly to share my experience with you and answer any questions. Housekeeping item number two, a lot of new listeners to the show, so we are reinstituting our freedom calls. 
If you're stuck in a job or a position that you hate and you're trying to figure out how to get out of it, get your vision right, get your finances straight, get your wealth building strategies airtight, give me a shout. Happy to talk to you for 15 minutes and possibly introduce you to some other people in my network. So snag those calls. I'm only going to do four of them because the 15 that I was doing before was too much. Without any further ado, let's get to the show. All right. Wally Olibieri. There? Yep. You got it. Bam, baby. How are you, my friend? How are you doing? Doing good, man. Doing good. I appreciate you having me on. It's a long time coming. Absolutely. Yes. I've had about a dozen people individually recommend you to come on the show. They're like, you need to get, you need to get Wally on the show. You need to get Wally on the show. The guy knows what he's talking about in all contexts of wealth building. And that is for your businesses, for your family, and for your life in general. And so that is our sweet spot, my friend. So welcome, welcome. I'm excited to have you. Yeah. So that was probably my mom, my brother, my other yeah. brother, my wife. That was probably equals that to those 12 people. Huh? Yeah. The immediate people that you Venmoed. Yeah. Those people. Yeah. The referral bonus. But I, there's a bunch of different ways that we're going to take this conversation. There's a lot of different rabbit holes you and I will go down. I want to begin this with your concept of building a high quality, high scale business, but also at the same time, keeping a high quality and scaled lifestyle and family, because this is the problem that we see. What people will do is they'll leave that corporate job where they work 40 hours for the privilege and honor of now working 100 hours. Congratulations. And so you have a couple of different rules that you do in your business with weeks that you work, and you have some ideas that are really cool and interesting about hourly rate. So I want to let you have the floor there and walk us through your thoughts and musings on this. Yeah, I, I just say one of the things I'm always asked about to talk about, hey, how do you build a quality business and even bigger quality of life? So about two weeks ago, about three weeks ago, I was in Palm Springs and there's a gentleman there named Todd Duncan. And actually, David Osborne came out and spoke at his event called Sales Mastery. And it's the 30th anniversary of Sales Mastery. And I was inducted into the Mortgage Hall of Fame for the Lifetime Achievement Award. Congratulations. Thank you. That just means I'm really old. So <laughs> the biggest reason of that was... I've really taken one thing and one thing only that I've really focused on for the last probably decade plus, which is what's your hourly rate, okay? Where before I would build a business and build a hustle off like just grinding and driving and driving. Before I knew it, I was missing dinners. I was an absent husband. I was an absent father. I was nothing to myself. I was gaining weight. Testosterone was decreasing. Any of this sound familiar to anyone? And before you knew it, I'm putting in 15, 20 hours a day trying to get a business off the ground. It's such a difficult thing to understand when someone says, hey, building a really big world means less is more. They're not necessarily saying that you've got to do less work. What they're saying is you've got to do more of the right things Mm. that are the most dollar productive. So I was with a mentor of mine once, and he said, you've got to work smarter, not harder. And I'd heard that many times before, and he caught me in a bad day. Uh, and I've apologized to him since then. And I said, Dude, if I knew how to work smarter, I would. And he said, you got to stop doing it the best you can do and start doing it the best way it can be done. You got to stop doing the best you can do. And started doing it the best way it can be done. And that hit me right between the eyes. And I said, okay, you got my attention. 
how do I figure out the best way it can be done? And his response was two things. Who are like the Billy badasses in your world that are in your space that are actually present fathers and present husbands and wives? And it's finding mentorship and learning from others. But the second thing he tasked me with, I thought he was crazy, but I was paying him a lot of money to coach me. So I had to really take his advice. And he said, you need to adopt a 55-5 rule. Have you ever heard of the 55-5 rule? You got me on this one. All right. So you work for 55 minutes. You jot down what you did for five minutes. You work for 55 minutes. You jot down what you did for five minutes. Work for 55 minutes. You jot down what you did for five minutes. And you're breaking it down of your whole entire day of what you did during that eight-hour window, 10-hour window, 20-hour window, whatever it is. So you jotted down each step of what you did. Uh, I was on an email, return emails for 20 minutes. Uh, I was on a conference call for 15 minutes. I was on a, for me, I was reviewing a loan application with a client for 18 minutes. Da, 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 da. And what he said, after you do that, grab three highlighters. A red, yellow, green. Red time, red highlighter means it did not make you any money. Did not make you any money and you need to delegate that off your world. Yellow highlighter means it led you to make you money. It led you to make you money. So a yellow activity for me would be, hey, I reviewed an application before I went to a client to close the deal. And green time is me meeting with clients. Green time is making you money. So when I went through it, the sad thing about it, I was about 40% red time. I was about 30% uh, yellow time and only 30% left over in green time. So I'd work at eight, 10 hour a day and only 30% of my day was making me money. Let that chew in, right? If you're an entrepreneur and you're launching a business and you're running a big world, how much of your day is truly making you money and how much of your day is truly robbing you of your potential? So I came back and I didn't have an assistant at the time. I remember hiring an assistant about six months after that. And sitting down with, her, with him and said, hey, I'm at about 30% of green time. I'm going to give you a $50 a week bonus. If you can take my calendar out of my Outlook, pull it out for me, and highlight through it of what my yellow, green, red time. And if I'm over 50, 50% of my week is green time, you get a $50 bonus. Then it went to, hey, if I get to 75, 75% of my week is green time, Dollar productive activities, that's a hundred dollar bonus. Today, ninety-five to ninety-seven percent of my day is green time. Wow. Ninety-five to ninety-seven percent of my day is green time. So what that means are the results of that, right? The results of that from mortgage alone, I make three thousand nine hundred and six dollars an hour. Three thousand nine hundred and six dollars an hour net. But the real estate portfolio that I've built, I make three thousand seven hundred and fifty dollars an hour. $3,750 an hour. It's almost $8,000 an hour. So you've got to figure out, there's a great term, it's do what you do best and delegate the rest. Yeah. Just so you can delegate the rest does not mean that you're maybe not good at it or it doesn't bring you fulfillment, but do what you do best because that because you're the best candidate for that activity. And in my office here, I keep a firefighter hat. <laughs> He's got a because, firefighter height. He's got props, ladies and gentlemen. This is not a drill. Yeah, literally. I think this is the biggest thing is it reminds me of when you're starting a business and you're really good at a craft, there's this thing called the ego that comes with it. 
And bingo, you want to be everything to everyone. And before you know it, you're nothing to no one. (laughs) So the biggest thing around that is I used to want to be the man, the guy, the, the person that they'd come to and ask for help, the person that would solve their problems. Why? Because I had an ego that I needed to feel like I was your savior. Dude, I'm just a regular guy. Before I knew it, I was everything to my business. But then I was absent in my family. I was absent, an absent father, an absent husband. Wow. That's what was most important to me. And then I was absent in my health. I was absent in my happiness. I was robbed of my joy. For what? Dollars? But thanks for coming on, man. That was a great episode. <laughs> oh, this was... That, that's amazing. I love the fact that you brought up ego. And I want to take you down a little bit of a memory lane rabbit hole here. Because this is a problem that I ran into recently when I did my exodus from corporate America and I jumped into the wonderful world of full-time entrepreneurship for myself for the first time. And when you do that, you read all the business books and they teach you about all these productivity stuff, Pareto principle and all this good stuff, right? But you are used to working 40 hours a week and that's a quote unquote, honest week's worth of work. If you work 50 hours a week, then you're a hard worker. If you work 60 hours a week, you work your ass off and you deserve success. Nobody talks about having to completely demolish your own ego and your own identity around what earns success. Because then what happens is exactly what you said, where it's, okay, I need to work hard at something to be deserving of success. So I found it a big problem to figure out what are my dollar productive activities What are those green items for me? And what are those green activities for me as someone that was just now starting out? Can you give any insight to that for people that are either either thinking about making that leap into full-time entrepreneurship or are starting that business and they're trying to figure out if they do free up their time, what should they be focusing on? Yeah. Have you ever read the book, The One Thing by Gary Keller? I love it. And I'm emailing back and forth with the dude. He needs to come on the podcast. We're so close, Wally. We're so close. I had Jay on. Absolutely phenomenal game changer book. I read it in 2013 and I've read it now seven times. I fell in love with it so much that I became one of Gary Keller's coaches, speakers, and authors for the one thing. I really embraced it. And he's got a question. It is, what is the one thing such by doing it makes everything else easy or unnecessary? What is the one thing such by doing it makes everything else easy or unnecessary? Unnecessary. Right. And when you realize that as a loan officer, and I'll just take what I do for a living or what I've done for 24 years for a living, you go out there, you find a referral partner, you get the referral partner to fall in love with you. They refer you a client, you get the client to fall in love with you, you go over options, payments, closing costs, blah, 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 run it through underwriting, all the written rub, like what a loan officer does for a living. But the number one thing, what is the one thing such by doing it makes everything else easy or necessary? It's prospecting which leads to influence. I get paid a lot of money to influence. That is literally the number one thing I've got to do. And I've got to do that well. So influence is persuasion. Influence is leadership. Influence is vision casting. Influence is sourcing new opportunities. So when I say I do one thing and I do one thing all day long, it's influence. So for you, if you're starting a new business, what is the one thing that you can do that makes everything else of your new business easier and necessary? For me, it's influence. You've got to figure out what it is for you. And I would imagine it's a bit of a trial and error process in the beginning, isn't it? 
It's like a battle of lag versus lead measures. Yeah, it is. I'm not a I'm not a prop guy, but he's a prop guy, guys. For everyone listening, Wally is in fact a prop guy. <laughs> well, that'd be a pretty good prop. But all right, uh, everyone needs to go on YouTube to look at what he's doing right now. Action Academy YouTube channel. We're live. So I'll break it down this one. So when I meet them, when I meet with loan officers, they say, "Hey, Wally, no." I've had ups in my career. I've had downs in my career. I've had ups in my career, down in my career, ups in my career. But look at my trajectory. My trajectory has been up, right? I'm super successful. I've been up. I'm like, yeah, I get that. But you had highs where you had momentum, but then you had lows that you lost momentum. What happens as a business owner when you lose momentum? You lose income, you mm-hmm. lose opportunity, and, you can't, and you've got to bounce back, which takes more effort. So you lost income, lost mo- momentum, and now you've got an effort to bounce back. Then you use all the effort to bounce here, then you lost it again and bounce here. The difference is where you get really so this is what I learned to do. All right, we got another one. We got the stair got, steps. You got the stair steps. So ready, aim, fire. Ready, aim, fire. Ready, aim, fire. And when you aim on best practices for a business, which you find that from books you read, mentors that you attract, other business owners are crushing in the space. And you, if you aim with doing it the best way it can be done instead of doing the best you can do, when you fire, you're hitting bullseye. Aim again at that next stage of your business with the best that somebody that you've learned from someone else, mentors, books, blah, blah, blah. You hit bullseye again. There's no downturn. So the biggest thing, reason why I'm really effective in my day to day today is because I really learned how well to aim. Where Got I think a newer entrepreneur and newer business owner, it's not really that easy to aim. You're like, oh yeah, like you, you, you're trying, but you're trying all these different things. So yes, you're correct. Most entrepreneurs just try a bunch of things until they figure it out. But what if there's a cheat code of figuring out what you need to try, how to try it, and what's the most effective way of trying it? I love that. And to circle back to something that you said in the beginning of the interview, you were talking about not only finding people that were successful as mortgage loan officers and running successful mortgage companies, but also people that were successful as fathers and that were present with their family. And I think that's very important because a lot of people talk about mentorship and they say, where do I find a mentor? How can I find a mentor? How can I stand out to the mentor? And they have no idea what the hell the person is that they're trying to become even looks like. But yeah. you had a really crystal clear idea about what that person looked like. And then that's what gravitated you towards the person that had the time management skills and with their family outside of the business. Can you speak to a little bit more of best practices on finding and attracting these top tier mentors into your life? It's the easiest thing in the world to do. It is literally the easiest thing in the world to do. Talk to him, brother. I'll repeat it again. It's the easiest thing in the world to do. If you're a high achiever, you're a reader. You're a high achiever, you're a learner. Okay, simple as that. We all read books. And what do we do with that book? We go through, make our highlight, make our notes. And the really top achievers go through and create an implementation strategy. But how many of us reach out to the authors? So from 2013 to 2019, I've kind of pulled back a little bit right now, but for the, doing, that, doing that five-year window, every book I read, I reach out to the author. No way. to the author. I've introduced myself to the author and say, hey, I just completely, I just completed your book. I've got 10 ahas that I really learned from the book. It's one thing I'm struggling with. 
may I have five, time, five, 10 minutes of your time over the phone or via email? 40, 50% of the time, they would never respond or tell me to go pound sand. About 10% of the time, they'd welcome a meeting face-to-face for a coffee or a lunch. And about 30, 40% of the time, they'd allow me to jump on a phone with them or a Zoom with them. Or there was a guy, where was he? He wrote the book, Scale. Scale? Yeah, yeah Jeff Hoffman. Jeff, yeah, he's on the show. Okay, I got to go. To I didn't office. even know his book. <laughs> but yeah, he's been on the show. Yeah, so I got Priceline.com. To- yep, that's exactly. He wrote a book called Scale. I got to go to his office for a full eight-hour day shadowing. I got to shadow this wow. hours of his day. Now, that cost me $25,000 donation to his charity. Okay. But the culture and the chemistry of a dude that's a billionaire that allowed me to shadow him for eight hours a day is well worth $25,000. But when I didn't have $25,000 to go spend a day with a mentor, I'd at least pick up the phone and introduce myself to him. And that costs you $0. Sending mm-hmm. him an email costs you $0. Finding him on Facebook or social media and sending him a private message costs you zero dollars. Finding him on LinkedIn, sending a message costs you zero dollars. Looking up their address, send him a handwritten note costs you zero dollars. And that's the point we're trying to make is the easiest way to find these mentors is by reaching out to the authors of the books you read. I love this. So everyone's takeaway from all of this needs to be simply... Go start a podcast, guys. <laughs> it works, man. It works. That's why I that's why I did it. As you've gone through this process, obviously, to your point, the book Scale, there are some growing pains in different levels of wealth and different levels of business. I'm curious, as you've gone around this journey, because now you guys are up to $200 million production annually right? or more. The team is $200 million. The, the now Empire Lending is closer to about 400, $450 million or so production. So that's just okay. I'm curious about what stages of this journey were the stickiest for you when it comes to these stair-step methods of success. Which ones of these were are the most challenging? Maybe that first 100,000, the first million, getting up to that first 10 million, hiring that first team. What parts were the stickiest for you? I would say probably 2014 to 2015. Okay. So in mortgage, 2014 for me was probably one of the most difficult times. Because I got up to, I got to 45 single family. The first year in 2012, I bought nine single family. My first year, they were on the run of property, joining abundance, bought nine single family. Following year, bought another 11 single family. I was up to 45 single family in three years. Okay. That's awesome. It's great. But I was ready to pull my hair out. At the same time, I was being coached by a mentor in mortgage that, I had 43 referral partners, so 43 referral partners in real estate that referred me business. And I was doing $45 million in loans. That's not a good ratio. I was working my tail off with anybody. And he said, he said, I want you to fire all 43 of your realtors. Wow. And go work with the top five mega agents in your area. There'll be more meat on the bone. There'll be more quality clients. And they'll respect your models and systems. I said... I'm literally about to fire you because I think you're cuckoo from Cocoa Puffs. How the hell am I going to fire all 43 of them and have to go to zero referral partners? I think I'm just going to go land five whales. He did one thing I'm really thankful for. His name is Pat Mancuso. He said, if you don't do it, I'm going to fire you. Here's the thing. I was spending maybe five, 7,000 bucks a month on coaching for him. And it was world changing for my business. Again, finding a coach, finding a mentor figuring out the best way it can be done instead of doing the best. 
I went from 2014 from 45 million loans to 2015, 83 million in loans. Hot damn. With 43 realtors to three mega agents. 40 some odd million in loans, 80 some odd million in loans from 43 referral partners to three mega agents. And I took 21 weeks of vacation that year. The whole point of what he was trying to show me, this is an easier way of doing business, but you've got to let that go. You've got to let go of the hustle and the grind. And I'm going to muscle my way to the top. I don't care how big your biceps are. At some point, you just can't lift the weight. And I got to the point where I couldn't lift the weight anymore. On the single family space, I started 1031 exchanging those 45 single family, bought my first apartment complex in 2015. And then now I own over 11 apartment complexes all throughout Texas. So there's more scalability in apartment complexes than there are in single family. There's sure. more cash flow. There's more write-offs. There's more depreciation. To me, it's you've got to let go to be able to elevate it up. And that's where I think the biggest thing entrepreneurs really struggle with is they got to understand what got you where you are right now will not take you to where you want to go. I love that concept. I also love the concept that <clears throat> David Osborne always preaches the I do, we do, they do. I love that concept where he's like, okay, I'm going to do it by myself and I'm the best in the world, blah, 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 blah. And then you bring in the team and then now it's systems and processes and then it's delegation and automation. I want to know about what levers that you pulled to be able to go from these 45 referral partners to land the three big ones, like the whales. Because was this something that you guys didn't know how to do or is this just not a priority for you at the time? No, I started, I read a book that really changed my life. And this is what Pat had me read. He had me read the book called Positioning and Niching by Jack Reese. Positioning okay. and Niching. Have you read it by chance or no? I haven't even heard of it. No. Phenomenal book. Absolute game changer. Top five best books I've read in my life. And I read a book a week. So there's hundreds of hundreds of hundreds of books there. It talked about how to build a monopoly in business or to build a large amount of wealth in business, you got to position yourself and you got to niche yourself to be the best in that space. For me being a loan officer, what was my differentiator to other loan officers with realtors? Okay. So what Pat Mancusa was, he was not a he was not a mortgage loan officer coach. He coached mega agents how to do bigger, better business, $100 million producer, realtors or more. Okay. What was phenomenal about that is what he was coaching me on was not how to be a better loan officer. What he was coaching me on is how to be the best realtor I can be. He was coaching a loan officer, how to be the best real estate professional I can be. Everything he was teaching me, I started understanding where realtors had inefficiencies. I started understanding where they had leadership challenges. I started understanding where their gaps in growing and scaling their business was. And I started becoming a real estate coach myself by his teachings. So when I go sit down with a $100 million producer realtor and do an analyzation of their business, I can see where their gaps are. I can help them fill the gaps. The biggest way that I was able to land those three mega agents instead of the 43 solo agents is because I became more valuable to those mega agents and helped them grow their business not just maintain their business. A wow. loan, officer, loan officer's business, you get handed a referral, you close a deal on time and they think you walk on water. What if I can do that in my sleep, but I help your lead generation team improve their, their conversion rate, but with scripting with them on a weekly basis. 
How about if I help your buyer's agents do when they do their open houses to structure it with the marketing, the door knocking, with the balloons, and the best way possible to do an open house and also help them participate in converting those leads from the open house? How do I help your listing agents do listing presentations to your real to to their families that are selling their houses and help them go from a 70% conversion rate to 85% conversion rate when they're sitting around the kitchen counter and signing that lease agreement. That's not how a loan officer thinks. So I focus on being, how can I be the best real estate agent, mega agent possible? And then I also hired John Maxwell for a co- as a coach for about a year and a half. That's all I can afford. He was a little bit on the expensive side. You don't say. <laughs> he was phenomenal back then to teach me a lot about the leadership and not only trying to lead others, that was maybe like 5% of what he taught me. 95% of what he taught me is how to lead myself. Same one. It was just the ability, the understanding, the difference between discipline and self-discipline. And having self-discipline and leader as a leadership role, where before it was, I'd have discipline to do the right things in front of my team when they were around. Whereas having the self-discipline to do the right things when my team wasn't around. And it's just everything became quality of leadership, quality of leadership, vision, vision, talk about vision, talk about vision, dream with them, dream with them, get them bought in, everybody rowing the same direction, the right person, the right seat. That's where Maxwell really helped me a ton. But so you pair the efficiencies of how to be the best real estate agent possible. And you pair that with leadership from the sake of Maxwell. You put those two together. It allowed me to create a niche in the real estate market. That allowed me, I'm the only, Gary Keller had a coaching platform called Maps. Yeah. And that's the one thing certified. I'm the only mortgage loan officer still around that is a one thing certified speaker, trainer, and promoter of it. What's phenomenal about that is how big of a pedestal that I have in the marketplace with these big mega agents to be able to coach and lead, their, lead them with their team. It taught me how to build up a niche in the, in the mortgage space that positioned me to grow it to where it is today. Wow. And you went from a quote that like an idea that came to mind was you went from being an accessory to an asset because you went from being someone, oh, he's going to help me with just this part of my operation. Like he's just a cog in the machine to where you said, hey, I'm not only going to be the best damn cog in your machine, but I'm also going to rewrite the entire operations manual for how this thing runs. And they're like, oh, okay. Like now we're cooking here. So for people listening, take what Wally is saying and apply that into any relationship that you're trying to get into. Any instance of that Pareto principle working, if you're in sales, think about that top 20% client, that whale. How can you become more valuable to them for them to warrant having a conversation with you? No offense. But if I did not know Wally or have ancillary relationships with Wally, and if I had a brand new podcast, he probably would not be on the show talking to me and therefore talking to you guys. So it's all an exchange of value. I want to talk about how you went about the process of taking these weeks off, because that's super interesting to me, because now that's right up my alley. So you said you work like 32 weeks a year. Was that correct? Yeah, on average, it's last year was a little bit less than that. It was when interest rates are two, three percent. They don't really need me in the office much anymore. I was about to say that's not a bad problem to have. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, on average, I'm usually out of the office about twenty weeks a year. So, how did you walk us a little bit more of the tactical transition between Wally that began this and he was a hard worker, quote unquote, to Wally that's kicking it 
and killing it simultaneously, working literally half the time. I learned something about myself through Maxwell. I was, I'm truly a sprinter. I'm not a marathon runner. And when, as a marathon runner, being here day in, day out, week in, week out, month in, month out, quarter in, quarter out, and you just grinding, hustling, grinding, hustling, grinding, hustling, like I was less sharp. I was, it was fake motivation because I knew I had to get it done, but there was like no joy. And people sense that people don't want to be around someone that's just a hard worker with no quality of life. So for me, the, it was something mandatory and it was a game changer for me back. It was 2014. Uh, I think it was like maybe like a spring break, 2014. So my boys are now they're 17 and 15. We call them Braden the Brave and Alexander the Great. So Alexander, I think he was maybe like six years old back then. And he said, we were, we're about to go to Disneyland for a spring break and as a family vacation. And this is, and then we're walking out the foyer and I've got my suitcase in my hand. And here's my little boy that he says, oh, dad, you're coming with us. He was so used to me being absent. He was so used to me not being around that it was a family vacation in Disneyland. And here's my son saying, oh, dad, are you coming with us? When, when, when you, I'll speak for myself. When I experienced moments like that, it was like, dude, you better get your shit together. The whole point of uh, building a great life is for your family, right? And that, to me, really hit home. And that helped me understand, like, there's no point in making millions of income if you're going to find yourself divorced. No, like, why the hell do you even have kids in the first place if you don't want to spend time with them? Yeah, And that's where I think the 20 weeks of vacation came in was, okay, I'm going to do 10 weeks of vacation with my, with our family. I'm going to do five weeks of vacation with, with my wife and I, I'm going to do the other five weeks of vacation pre-planned. So always on the calendar in December for the following year, five weeks of vacation of like golf trips or seminar, or just out of the office, for whatever reason, for whatever I want to recharge myself in and choose the golf trips. And we added, we last year, we added two more and it was two more weeks of vacation. And it was a vacation with each son by myself. So me and me, and, it's how different my kids are. So Braden, the 17 year old, we go to Kiowa Island, North Carolina, or South Carolina, play golf for 36 holes a day for three days. It was super awesome. That's if you know me, that's what I love to do is golfing. So he and I just golf in a beautiful part of the world. But I had so much more fun with my younger son, Alex, because we went to MIT because he got accepted to an MIT engineering course over the summer and the Boston Museum of Science, blah, blah, blah. And I, I don't even know how to spell the word engineering, but for the six weeks before us going, I would, I was watching YouTube videos all the time to try to figure out questions asked to make myself look like I was in the know. <laughs> it's very challenging back then. Alex was 14. When your 14 year old's talking to you about his day in engineering and classes that you have no idea what the hell he's talking about. So I memorized five questions going in and I was super, felt super prepared. And I got there in front of the, the professor at MIT with Alex. And I, I remember three, I forgot to, I just got nervous. And one of the questions, the professor goes, oh, that's a really good question. I'm like, like nailed it, nailed it, dad of the year. But that's the whole point. I would have never been positioned to have those moments with my children if I wasn't a present father 
but I could never be a present father unless I built a business that can operate without me. Mm. So your question is building a business that can operate better without you than with you. I love it, brother. That was a good, that was a good story in closing. So as we finish this up and wrap this up, I have to talk to the mortgage guy about what do you think the rates are going to do? Blah, 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 blah. We know what the Fed is trying to accomplish. We know that the interest rates, what, they're going to raise them up another 75 basis points. But what would be your forecast to pull out your Ouija board and your magical crystal ball? What do you think is going to happen over the next couple of years? My professional answer or my selfish answer? Give me your selfish answer. I want your selfish. I want to hear selfish, Wally. I want Bring them, out another prop. I want them super high for the rest of the year, even next year. Two okay. reasons. One reason okay. is you're going to see a lot of loan officers go out of the business because they can't provide themselves. You're going to see a lot of mortgage companies go out of the business. That's going to allow me to take more market share. Fair. Number selfish. Two, number two reason is the higher that rates stay, when rates drop, what happens to us mortgage companies? We're killing it in those some because we get a refi boom on our hands. When rates are at like 2 3% for like eternity, the refis go away because you've refi- refinanced all of Texas already, right? Last year and this year, rates go to 3%, 5%, 7%, and they're now about 7.5%. All, all those clients that, we're, that we closed loans for are 7%, 8%, 6%. Come next, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac announced in Q4, of 2023, Q4 of 2023, we'll have rates close to about four, four and a half percent. That's more of a stable market timeframe. I love that because it's going to tell you as selfishly as running a mortgage company, we're going to have a ton of clients that we can refinance and we'll just make a killing and then some at that time. So that's my selfish answer. The professional answer is the, it's you're seeing home prices stabilize and or drop. So you got to understand, you got to, Date the rate and marry the house. Date the rate and marry the house. So find your dream home right now that you're going to get it. For, you're going to get for a discount. Don't worry about the rate being seven or eight percent right now, because here we'll be able to refinance you to a year or two years from now, whenever rates drop again. But you won't be able at that time when rates drop. What are home prices going to do? They're going to start going back up because there'll be more buyers in the market. It becomes a buying bidding war. So right now, if you're wanting to buy a house. You'll get a better deal on the house today than you will a year from now. And there'll be less competition. And then you can refinance next year. That's such a weird stalemate right now because you have everyone that has these properties with all this equity and they have these amazing rates. Like this property that I'm in right now that a house hack, I got it at a 2.5. So it's like, I would never sell it. So it's just like this weird standoff. I'm in the Atlanta market. And it's just, it's weird to see because you're like, okay, which person's going to give for... You've got to figure out... So Osborne taught me this. And it was when we figure out cash on cash, right? Mm-hmm. When you buy a rental property or buy a property. But at some point, after probably two, three years of owning it, you want to figure out what your cash on equity, not necessarily your appreciation. So do you have too much equity in the property that is just sitting there that's only making 2 3% of your money for appreciation? Or, hey, do you stay in that property and you pull out equity to use that cash and go invest it somewhere else? Or is it time to sell that property because you can take that equity and 1031 exchange it to another vehicle? So mm-hmm. got some options in front of you for sure. Absolutely. My friend, I appreciate you coming on for time's sake. I'll go ahead and cut it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 10 times, just as good as I, just as good as I imagine. 
Just as good as I imagined. You brought the heat. You brought the props. People listening. Once again, Action Academy YouTube channel. You can go see Wally's smiling face. You can see how we color coordinated our outfits in preparation for this to be really cool. And we're going to go get bunk beds and do activities. It's going to be super fun. But man, I appreciate you coming on, man. Thank you for everything. And tell people where they can find you and give a little plug for your mortgage company for anybody that's in Texas or also list any other markets you cover. No, I just say that everything kind of shared today. I've got a page called Coach Wally and you go, you find it on Instagram, Facebook, whatever. And if you're watching those videos on there, I just, if you have questions, the videos, you can like it, not like it, honestly, don't care, which is probably a bad thing. But if you see something, I've got a video on there and you have a question about, hey, how do I implement A, B, and C? Just shoot me a message. I'm super responsive on that. And the goal is to make an impact where you guys actually get traction. So I don't want to put content out there and you just think it's cool with no traction. So if you watch any of these videos on Coach Wally, please share back any feedback. Of, hey, I'm struggling with A, B, and C, and I'm happy to share any traction. Guys. Just so you know, remember back to what Wally was saying about his outreach strategy to the authors, where he listed the bullet points of his takeaways, and then he listed the one specific point. Don't just message Wally and say, hey, can you help me? Because he will throw me and tag me in, and I'm going to crow hop you. So don't do that. So Wally, I appreciate it, my friend. Thank you for coming on. And with that, that has been Wally and Brian with the Action Academy Podcast, signing off. Hey, real quick, if you're still listening to today's episode, I'm assuming you got value from it, so I need your help specifically. My two-year vision with this show is to help over 1 million people do what they want, when they want, with who they want, and I can only do that with your help. There are two main ways that a podcast grows. One is through ratings and reviews, and the other is word of mouth. If you could please leave me a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, as well as send this to one or two friends that you think would get value from it, we can reach the people that we're looking to reach. Thanks in advance. Talk tomorrow.